What's cracking, everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zapala here, healing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast. Joining me in the studio today is our home team, Milton Alvarez, my personal trainer, my ride or die right here in D-Town, and uh, Milton, welcome to episode 25. Five. Quarter, baby. Thank you so much for all of our subscribers. We're over 1,200 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We just started a show. Uh, in February, and we're already at 1,200 subscribers. I appreciate you guys for your feedback, your followership, and uh, we pray that we continue to shed light on topics to help you think like a millionaire, help you strategize like a millionaire, so therefore you can become a first-generation cash flow millionaire, despite what's going on in our funny world times today. Speaking of funny world times, uh, very uh, interesting topics today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, what Richard Branson says about useful skills for entrepreneurship, uh, what millennials are dealing with in terms of how, how come they can't invest in real estate, how churches and families would be different if fathers will play a specific role. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Andrew Tate. There was a uh, five-hour interview that our CEO found of our company, PHP Agency, did with Andrew Tate, the most Google man in the world. It was a five-hour interview. He said something very, very specific about his brother. I'm going to do a full reaction video to that interview on my Seven Figure Squad YouTube channel, but on the Millionaire Goals podcast, we're going to discuss brotherhood, why Andrew Tate believes he's got the best brother in the world. It's not just because they're related either. Um, Milton's going to be discussing uh, what Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, felt about his body, and uh, we got some reaction videos here we'd like to jump into. So why don't we start with that? Let's jump into these reaction videos. How do you trigger a broke dude in 22 seconds? Let's check this out. Most girls love me because I say, and I totally believe that if you're the dude and your wife, if she's a good wife and she's out spending your income, it doesn't mean that she needs to stop spending it. That means that you need to make more, more income. Money. Husbands all over the world were forwarded that by their wives. I went from like 9% female followers to 28%. There we go. Because again, I mean, I, I believe that that's true. Uh, especially in a world today where a lot of women have the capacity Turn a lot, earn a lot more money than men. So, right. by the way, that's Brad Leah. Big shout out to Brad Leah. Uh, he and I were at the uh, Man of War conference, men's conference in Florida, hosted by Rafa Conde, who's a uh, martial artist and uh, retired cop, retired law enforcement. Uh, mm -hmm. We did an interview with Brad um, a couple years ago, uh, pre-pandemic, three years ago, pre-pandemic. But what's your, what's your reaction to uh, broke dudes under earning their? Wives' expenses. Wives' uh, incomes. I think that I think a lot of it plays, Matt. Uh, from, well, from what I've seen and just the, the way the world is developing, if you look at the 1950s, 1960s, a lot of these, a lot of women were stay-at-home wives. The, the the husbands were the breadwinners. They'd go, they go to work. Traditional home, traditional, traditional yep. household. Yeah, yeah. They stay home. They clean. They cook. They do all the household uh, activity and also raising the children. Yeah. Fast forward to the 2000s. Now there's this movement, which is fantastic. Good for you, ladies. There's this movement where a lot of women are now want to step up to the plate. Unfortunately, they were raised by uh, busted men who didn't know how to raise a family or they were yeah. mistreated or some form of abuse happened in their childhood that put them in a position where now they want to step up, take on a role, be able to take control of their future or they were in a relationship that ended up messing them up mentally or emotionally. Mm -hmm. So now they have like, this chip on their shoulder to want to do more for themselves. So now we live in a world where, again, as you say, women have the opportunity to be able to make the same amount of not more money than a lot of these men can, mm -hmm. especially if they have the skills that they need in order to make it in this corporate world that we yeah. do live in. So now... 
because of, because of that, now the expenses that they have on a day to day basis involves a lot more when it comes up to makeup, to maintenance, self care, whether you dress the way you dress to work instead of you know women in the 1950s, 60s, all they did was stay home, so they re- literally relied on the husband's salary. Does that take away from a man though? The, for for a woman to make more money, does that take away from a man? No, not at all, baby girl. If you're watching this and if you're making more money than me, go ahead, baby. Make more <laughs> money than me. That's fine with me. You know, I, I remind. I'm. I'm give you another uh, uh, insight to this topic. Um, I remember I was at a vault. We were at the vault conference. Yes. Uh, back in last uh, year, September. Yeah. So do you remember that uh, uh, that woman that stood up? She's in her mid thirties, mm-hmm. and she says, "I've been competing with men my entire life. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it." And guess what? She's beating all these men, making money. Yeah. And then, and then she realizes at thirty five years old, thirty six years old, she's still single, not married. Yeah. No kids. Remember when she stood up? Yep. And what did she tell Patrick in, in the middle of the vault conference? She goes, I want to be married now. I want to have kids. I want to have that life. So her, her reality of saying, okay, I'm, I'm beating men, beat men, beat men, boom. Now I want to fit into that traditional role of raising a family. Yeah. You know, so the, the, the insight of, okay, cool. I mean, if you're broke, dude, does it mean that just because your wife is out earning you right now doesn't mean that you're broke. So let's say, for example, you know, uh, you're bringing home fifty grand a year, mm-hmm. but your wife is bringing home a hundred thousand a year. Here's my question, though: How are you bringing a hundred thousand? Because yeah. there's many different ways. Correct. Women today can uh, uh, can make money. It's it's and usually centered around uh, their bodies, right? right? OnlyFans, and, uh, OnlyFans, and, and uh, um, you know, Instagram, yeah. uh, uh, selling products, whatever the case may be. But uh, women today have an opportunity to utilize the peak moments of their of their lives. Right, centered around the the vessel that they are, you know, the the, the amazing vessel that they are, but that's only for a, a temporary type of uh, scenario. So, but a man mm. can ascend. You know, I, mean, I was broke at one point, you know, but I didn't like it. But uh, then again, I didn't have the additional pressure of having a, a a wife or a girlfriend. Pop, 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 pop. Should a man then? So here's a question. So should a man then say, okay, if she's out earning me? Do I eventually have to out-earn her, I guess, to earn some inherent, unspoken moral authority and respect and leadership role to my wife who's or my girlfriend who's making more money than me? So let me ask you, like, this is more like the in-depth part. What do you consider broke? Let, let's skip out on the sure. financial aspect. What do you yeah, consider yeah. broke? So a lot of people can make $60,000 a year, $70,000 a year, pay their bills on time, still have time for luxury and feel amazing and still do X amount of leisure things that they can do. And then there's some people who are making half a million dollars a year and... They, they're barely making a buy. So in your definition, what do you consider being broke? I consider broke still having to say yes or no to things at whatever level you're at. Mm-hmm. So at $50,000 a year broke, right? There's, there's a lot of things I had to say no to. Yeah. And a million dollars a year income, there's less things I have to say no to, but I still have to say no to a lot of things. So in my mind, in, in my brain, I'm still going. I'm still cracking open its potential because I feel like I'm still broke. So there's levels to broke. There's, there's, levels, there's to levels to broke. To broke. There's, and there's also the, to, to wealth. But I think, though, um, you know, because Sheena and I are, are partners, there's certain things that I do and certain things that we do. I mean, we make our money together. Yeah. But we're never looking at each other like, this is my money, your money. You know, we, we don't, you know that, that's not. We, 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 make our, we make our bread together. Of course, I do YouTube. I, I do other things. I do speaking gigs. and So she's not competing with me on that end. But, uh, yeah, I just think there's different levels of broke. As a couple in business, is there ever a struggle between the two where you feel like, man, you know, I, this week or this month I feel and I notice it, you know, I put in about 70% of the work. And my partner, because I know there's a lot of couples out there who are in business together, and sometimes it can be a push and pull on who puts mm-hmm. in more work. Mm-hmm. And then when one of the partners says, yeah, yeah, it's our money, 
you can see the other person looking at it. that main the person who's mainly putting in the work look at their partner and say yeah sure honey it's our money but in, in the back of their mm. heads like no I'm the one putting in the work. You're just on the sidelines. And you, whenever you choose to step in and put in some work, yeah. you do it. But in reality, I'm the one driving the, the entire game. Do you guys yeah. ever have that struggle? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. No, because it's our, it's our business. And, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways that we, we, pull, we pull this cart. This is the way we push, we, we push and pull together. Um, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset where I'm going to do it because it's for the love of the game, uh, the love of the business, for the love of my wife, the love of my family. The last thing I need is a inherent pat in the back saying I did and then quantify it like I did 70% of the mm -hmm. work there might be times however with that being said Milton there's times that uh, you know I might be done with whatever I got to get done by you know X mind uh, time of the day and I do what I want to do recreationally mm. right and so I still see my wife working and then there's some other parts during the week that she does what she wants to do recreationally leisure time or what she calls me time mm -hmm. but I'm still working mm -hmm. okay knock yourself out you know I'm a, I'm other thing like, baby you want to take your time up no, no problem you want to enjoy your dinner? No problem. You want to enjoy our time today? No problem. But I'm not like saying, you know, I'm not holding her on a leader's bulletin to say I'm putting more of the work on that. Now, if she sits there in position of complaining, that's a different conversation. You know, I don't have this or I don't have that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How much work did you put in? Mm. That's when it might come up. But it's never happened in eight years of us uh, being married. Uh, 10 years of us being together, that's, that's never come up. So for the couples, because again, I work with a lot of couples in, in Interesting. multiple fields, whether it's real <laughs> estate, whether it's insurance, yeah. and, 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 but they're all entrepreneurs yeah. and they're in business together. And on some point or some level, one or the, one or the other couple, and obviously I can't say names uh, due to confidentiality, but there's it always comes up that they feel that a lot of it's unfair. They feel like a lot of their that weight's being carried on their shoulders. So how would you suggest for these couples to be able to take inventory I'm like, or come up with a plan that they can both be satisfied in specific roles in the business so they can both feel like they're still putting the same amount of work because they complement each other. Yeah, you have, you have to manage expectations. You have to manage expectations. Babe, listen, you can't complain about the things that you don't have for the work that you don't put in. I'm doing my part. Are you doing your part? And then don't get mad at me because you have unrealized expectations on my end. You know, you know remember we did a, a, it was a couple episodes ago where it wasn't necessarily money that caused people to divorce. Yeah. It was unrealized and unmet expectations. Yeah. I was expecting you to fill this role as a man. I was expecting you to fill this role as, as a wife, as a woman. But when those are unrealized because you didn't manage the expectations up front, then they're unmet expectations and then it causes rife and cre creates a little bit of bitterness here now. And next, you know, a lot of bitterness later on and just snowballs over time over the years. Next thing you know, boom, you, you, you're going together because you never did this. You never did that. And so uh, Sheena and I, you know, we come to the uh, conclusion, listen, you know, we're, we're constantly in communication about what we did like, what we don't like. And the one thing I love about my wife uh, she is just freaking competitive. I'm competitive. She's competitive. Um, and we're competitive uh, silently. We're competitive vocally. Mm -hmm. For example, we're, we're having a conversation about what we're about to do in the Bahamas a, a few weeks from now. That's right. Right? And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. She goes, knock yourself out. She goes, I'm, I'm black. I'm not getting in the water. <laughs> <laughs> the shark thing, right? Uh, the shark yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I want I I I guys, I want to swim the sharks. I reach out to somebody. that, uh, And she goes, babe, did you hear about that kid, 18-year-old kid, sadly, sadly you know, that, that, that passed away? Um, he jumped in the water. I, I get it. I get it. Um, I totally understand. But how many times do people get into a car accident and they pass away? Yeah. That has more often than people getting bitten by sharks. So, uh, but to all the couples out there, have grace. Bottom line, she is your wife. He is your husband. That is the first priority in how you treat them. You know what they're saying? Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Here's a flip side. Happy king, happy kingdom. Ooh. Who's in that kingdom? The queen. So if the king is happy, then the queen 
It's happy. Something to think about. All right, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Great question, by the way, man. Boom, I love it. All right, so Kevin O'Leary says, speaking of marriage, here's how Kevin O'Leary's views on how you should set up your bank accounts after marriage. Let's take a look at this. I tell women today, do not merge your account with your husband's, ever, in your whole life. He will respect you for having your own money, let him have his, and set up a third account where you merge your dollars together. There's no reason you have to give up your financial identity when you marry. Yeah, we've said this many times before. Yeah. You have your bank account as a man, she has her bank account as a wife, and we have our bank account together as a couple. The, the, the couple bank account we have together, that's our bills, our life. And by this, also has goes with a blended family. Yeah. So Sheena and I, we have a blended family, okay? So um, when it comes to our bills, our family, we don't look at the kids as your kids and my kids. It's our kids, yeah. right? So I don't look at your parents as my parents. It's our, our parents. parents. So the parents, they're retired. Mom and dad, they're retired. Her mom and dad, they're retired. Our kids need something? It comes from our bank account. Now... If I'm going to go see uh, Tony Sethi at Dr. Gold, mm-hmm. and I want to buy me a chain, I want to buy me a, 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 a dog tag, if I want to uh, enjoy you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, baseball, uh, baseball cards and sport cards, if I want to go you know, do this to my car, whatever case, that's my money. Yeah. If she wants to go get her nails did, hair did, she wants to go get some purses, she wants to go get a dress, uh, whatever case may be, that's her money. But our money, vacation. Our money, business expenses. Our money. It's a lot easier that way. And then we have a conversation later on. Hey, how'd, how'd you do with your investments? Where are you putting your money away? How, how much money have you uh, tucked away and st- stacked up if, you're, if, if you want to share? So anytime you want to gift, anytime you want to gift your wife something, whether it's a present, whether it's an experience, a trip, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, it was doubled in, into your money. It's my money. Because it wouldn't make sense to go into your yeah. boss money. Because in the back of her head, it's like, you just took it from our account. From, from our account, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I, have, I have a salary from our corporation. She has a salary from her corporation, but we have our expenses yeah. during the business and personal. And so uh, it's a lot easier that way, a lot happier that way. And, uh, you know, if there's, a, if there's a situation where, hey, babe, listen, I got to invest in this thing. We make a decision together. She's my CFO. I'm the CFO. We're joint CFOs. We're joint CEOs. So, hey, babe, I want to make this investment in, in this book launch. I want to make this investment in this, in this marketing campaign. Can we spend our money doing it? Mm. But it's my brand that yeah. builds that builds that initiative. Yeah, Shit. cool. Let's go to the next one. Um, if a woman is obese, but she exercises every day, she will outlive the one who doesn't Run it. exercise every day. Run Run it. It. If a woman is obese, but she exercises every day, she will outlive the normal weight woman who doesn't exercise. If a man smokes and he has high blood cholesterol has high, high hypertension yeah but he exercises he will outlive the man yeah. who doesn't have any of those problems who doesn't exercise if you don't exercise you're going to die sooner for every hour you exercise you will live three hours longer it's the harvard alumni study i want to get up right now <laughs> do some push-ups so what is it about exercise milton what is it about exercise you're smoking not eating right whatever but you exercise so in other words you can have 90 percent of your bad habits but if you exercise i mean is that legit yeah so really three things physical mental and redu- reduction physical physiological you, you you improve your heart you improve your heart health your lung capacity your, your mental capacity as well you improve the way your brain functions Whenever you exercise, you're improving, you're, you're pushing oxygenated blood through your entire body up to your brain. The more oxygenated blood you get to your brain, the better it is you're, you're, you're able to think. 
also the the more oxygenated blood you get through your entire body the more the better you're able to function also improving your your, your heart health reducing your cholesterol reducing your, your glucose levels in your body will also help you have more of a longevity when, when it comes down to the aspect of existence um, and also your mental health you know, uh, I was just telling you, Matt, that these last seven, eight days, I've been on a no workout fast, where for seven days straight, I redirected all my energy into writing, being some form of artistic oh, yeah. and just, yeah. so that way I, I know how to create a, uh, better content. I can create better content. I can uh, do push out more things of value when it comes down to the written form, video form. Mm -hmm. So it, my identity is working out. Yeah. For 15, 16 years, that's all I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So I've had my seasons where I'm at a high peak and I'm shredded and I feel amazing. And I have my seasons where I'm just a normal human being where that's where the uh, body dysmorphia comes in where I see myself as yeah this is not the way I want to look I look sloppy and then people are like dude you look amazing what are you talking about so that's what Arnold's also talking about and we'll get into that when we get to that topic but so I've had my seasons but I, I was challenged to hey man look this has been your identity for X amount of time what if you were to it's no longer being disciplined because now you just show up to the gym because it's a it's a thing it's part of you it's yeah. not it's no longer a challenge it's no yeah. longer you being disciplined it's just you you don't put it in your calendar it's just exactly. there it's just, the it's you. Like it's lunch. just there exactly yeah. so they're like hey what if you were to utilize that same energy redirect it or they called it redirect redirection of expression yeah. and utilize that those times those hours those minutes into doing something you're not used to which is writing yeah. so for 7 days straight i wanted this fast of no type of movement no stretching no working out no exercising nothing nothing that involves my heart rate going above my my resting heart rate mm -hmm. level so for 7 days straight as the days went on my my anxiety in my body started getting higher and higher and higher. These last two days, my anxiety has been through the roof. I woke up with nasty anxiety attacks in, in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning anxiety because attacks. Because you're not exercising. I'm not an exercise. I'm not moving. So high anxiety. So on a, on a, on a mental, ha mental health standpoint, a physiological standpoint, you release energy when you work out. You're able to better your mental health. You're able to better your physiological health. You're able to reduce the anxiety in your body because you have a lot of pent-up uh, pent energy in you. So if you feel like you're anxious... Move, move a little bit, go for a walk, yeah. go for a run, go for a jog, do some exercises and do some yoga. You'll see that that can actually reduce your physiological anxiety and also help you with your mental health so you can outlive a lot of the people who aren't even moving. Dude, I love it. Yeah. I, love it. I mean, I, I, uh, what I realized after 17 years of not working out post-military, yeah. that I was in a very bad, depressed state. I wasn't feeling good about myself. I wasn't looking forward to anything going on in my life. But when I started connecting with you in 2019, and um, my, my biggest, what was my big, from your opinion, from what you recall, what was my biggest frustration with you when I started working out with you? When I hired you as my trainer, what was my biggest frustration when I, when I came? Because I remember I was just mad at my body. Yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. mad at myself. You were mad at yourself. You were yeah. mad at your body. Uh, four four uh, uh, point pain, uh, uh, pinpoints that Matt had uh, physiologically were uh, lower, uh, lower, uh, lower back was in a horrible position. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, dude, it's your hips and it's your ass. Like, no, man, you don't get it. My lower back. It's my back. I'm like, no, Matt, you don't get it. It's your, it's your ass and it's your hips. You call me a tight ass. He's like, no, this man doesn't know what I was talking about. Like, there was a point where there was friction in the beginning. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll be all right. So it's lower back, bad knees. Uh, at the time, you had a bad shoulder. Yeah. Um, and also, you had your, your, your gout issue. Yeah. And all those tied in was yeah. starting to mess with your, with your mental health. That's right. And because your, his mental health was getting, getting screwed with. Yeah. The way his influence, his impact, his energy, his drive for a lot of other things could be also impacted by that, which also impacts his business, which also impacts his income. And the moment that this man started investing back into himself and bettering himself and being coachable to the things that he can grow in and healing his body, healing, healing, healing his gout, healing his lower back, his knees, his shoulders, any pain that he had in his body, 
a lot of things in his life started changing as well as his energy, his perception, his mental health, his leadership, his influence, his energy, and also your bank account started growing. Now, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm glad I am off now because I was taking uh, gout medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, called, it was a drug called Alpurinol. Anyway, uh, long term, that wrecks your kidneys. You know, it just, just, just destroys. So I'm like, I was always skeptical about taking it because I've had uncles, you know, Filipinos. Uh, you know, it's, it's what they call the Filipino or the Polynesian curse. Mm-hmm. The, to have gout is just kind of like a normal thing as you get older, both men and women. Really? And okay. so, you know, having gout was like kind of the, you know, entry into getting older. But, you know, now, thank God, I'm not on any Alpirinol. I'm not on any gout medication. I do have inflammation. I'm still fighting off the inflammation. But usually the inflammation would trigger gout where yeah. I couldn't move a, a, a body part for, for yeah. weeks. Right? And that yeah, and that inflammation comes from external factors that you, you, you enjoy you enjoy doing every now and then. So you're, you're in control of that. Yeah, whiskey and tequila and all that good stuff. You're yeah. talking about earlier. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the next one. So if you are a remote worker, if you're working from home, be aware that when you're out of sight, you're also out of mind. Let's take a look at this clip. Remote work and hybrid work is the biggest threat to white collar jobs that we've ever seen. Because it's not long before companies are start to go, wait a second, you want to make 120 or 150 to sit at home and work, and I can hire somebody in India for 60 to do it. True. By the way, I don't uh, react very much to the Dave Ramsey show, yeah. but apparently that's from the Dave Ramsey show. Um, I 100% feel that way because what do we learn during the pandemic? What do we learn in the COVID? We retained the guys that we were seeing at the office. They were committed. Yeah. We didn't lay off one person. During the COVID, during the pandemic, we didn't lay off one person. We didn't fire one person due to our business struggling, due to them wanting to met Our guys wanted to come to the office. Uh, one of the guys, one of my video guys, he actually quit because he just wanted to hang out at the playpen in Chicago, Lake Michigan all day. <laughs> okay? Knock, bro, knock yourself out. Yeah. There's probably not the values and principles we stand for as a company anyway. If you want to take those, you know, those videos, I get it. You're a young man. You want to go out there. You want to... You know, you want to spread your wings amongst ladies with bikinis. Knock yourself out. I don't care. No judgment. And uh, eventually he says, you know, guys, this ain't for me. I, you know, we didn't fire him, but he just decided to quit. But, you know, when, you, when you're out of sight, you're out of Just like any – that's why long-distance relationships don't work, especially for the ones that cost you a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and you're not getting the productivity. That, that's my biggest concern when I have uh, remote workers. So – if I do have remote workers, here's how I work with remote workers because uh, we do outsource a lot of our stuff. There's a time where you check in, you check out. I need to make sure that your KPIs, your key performance indicators, your, your deliverables are done by X amount of deadline per day. Uh, in the meantime, uh, knock yourself out. You're free to do what you want to do. But here's what we don't build with remote workers. You know what we don't build? We don't build relationships. Mm. We don't build friendships. I don't get to know about your family. I don't get to know about so my reten- so my re- inherent retention for people that want to work remote is very very low. They're easy to replace because there's no relationship there. So the biggest thing though, if you want to climb corporate America, if you want to play a key role in your company, if you want to grow your business, you know, guess what? Guess what Goldman Sachs did during the entire the, the entire pandemic? Every investment banker shut down. Guess what Goldman Sachs continued to do? They went around and kept flying. They, fly, they flew, they flew, they flew. They had private jets. I'm going to flow. We're going to raise capital, fly, raise capital. We're still going to take you public, IPO. We're going to be the investment bank. We're going to help you underwrite this thing. We're going to help you raise the capital. We'll take you public. They kept seeing the people. What do we do? We kept seeing the people. We're the, here's the thing with PHP. We're the first company to open up Maui. 
when when the whole pandemic started to, to 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 kind of simmer down and people started opening up, we opened up Maui. And guess what? Everybody in Maui said, "Thank God, PHP opened up Maui because now we can open up our restaurants, our taxi drivers, our activities, our excursions, and everybody around." We threw, we brought money in, into Maui. To this day, we have relationships with, with with people in Maui. Vegas a couple years ago, you were the, you were with us. We were the first company to open up a big convention when Las Vegas opened up all over again. Yeah. And they're like, thank God you came here. We opened up our hotels, our restaurants, our servers, Uber, everybody around the economic stim uh, stimulus that we had without government stimulus, like ec like economic entrepreneurial stimulus we had because why? Because we're connecting people. And so our job as entrepreneurs is to connect people and make my money flow. That's why it's called currency. Money's supposed to flow. If it's just by myself, me, me, me. I think a lot, a lot of times, even tech companies, they say, listen, we appreciate tech. We created technology to have people remote, work remote, but we just don't like remote workers. What would you say, what would you say to a lot of these uh, new age entrepreneurs or new age people who are involved in tech, who are involved in content creation, who are involved in all in that realm, who are pushing for remote because it makes more sense. It buys back their, buys back their time. They can live off of, of decent $50,000, $60,000 a year or maybe even $100,000 a year. And they literally say, dude, I can literally write and travel to any country that I want. As yeah. long as I have Wi-Fi, I can work from there yeah. and still make money. Sure. There's only the dream. But here's who, here's who you're competing with. You're competing with somebody that's willing to show up to the office, get there early, stay late, build a relationship. You're competing with that guy. No problem. That, that's a great job. What did Elon Musk say? Remote workers, we love you. It's great for you to remote, remote, work remotely just for another company. Mm. So if, if Twitter, if, if, if these tech companies are valuing relations because they're missing out on soft skills, there's a... There's a, a, a there's a white paper out there on Google executives, what they learn from being in person, because being in person creates soft skills. I get that you can tap in and do your job from remote, but you're missing out on the soft skills. And the soft skills, remember, what's, what's, what is create, what is uh, created more CEOs? Is it um, IQ, like I have a Harvard MBA, uh, I have a PhD, or is it EQ, emotional intelligence? intelligence. It's emotional intelligence. Yeah. So the emotional intelligence, the human connection, the, the people, that you're ride or die. Speaking of, that, speaking of ride or die, let's transition to this next clip because our CEO founder did an exclusive interview with the most Google man in the world, Andrew Tate. Patrick David, Sosnick, they all flew out to Romania. Vinny, they all flew out to Romania because he can't leave this house. He's on, he's on house arrest. Mm -hmm. So Andrew Tate opened up. His first interview post being released from prison was the BBC. They screwed that up. Yeah. We did a reaction video to that. Number one video right now on our, our, our YouTube channel, Seven Figure Squad. And then... The second interview he does is with Patrick McDavid, exclusive interview on his release from prison. Uh, we're going to do a full reaction on the Seven Figure Squad, but I want to react to what he said about his brother Tristan, because his younger brother Tristan, by the good-looking guy, I've got something to, to share after we react to this clip. I want to share with you too, Milton. Yeah. But uh, let's take a look at what, uh, what uh, Andrew Tate says about having the best brother in the world. Where was he located? What happened to Tristan Tate? Let's take a look at this clip. I genuinely believe I have the best brother in the world. And I'll tell you why. I always knew I had the best brother in the world, but he proved it in jail, and I'll tell you why. My brother was put in jail for being my brother. He hasn't said any videos. He hasn't said anything on the internet. He hasn't said any of the things I've supposedly said. He's never, the Matrix isn't attacking him. The BBC doesn't print about him, nothing. Why was Tristan Tate in jail? Because it's Tate brothers. So they just took him and threw him in a cell. Now what's interesting is, when I got out of jail, so many people near me got heat. 
all business partners got hit with the tax. They got hit with like tax paperwork, and uh, they were calling everyone who's ever known me, and ex-girlfriends got hit, and all these people got hit. And some people complained, some people didn't. But some people were like, oh, since you've been in jail, it's been so stressful for me. The media's outside my house. I'm like, stressful for you? I was in jail. What do you want me to do? And people were complaining at me. And as these people started to complain, I sat there, I said to Tristan, you got thrown in jail purely for being my brother. And never for a fraction of a second did you even moan. <laughs> Didn't even, not even for a fraction of a second did he say, oh, they only put me here because of you. Why am I here? I, I'm innocent. This has nothing to do with me. Nothing. In fact, he said the absolute opposite. He said, I am so glad I went to jail with you. Hmm. I would be furious if they sent you here by yourself. If they're going to lock you up, they better lock me up. And there was a time, about two months in, because there's less media pressure on Tristan, they were talking about releasing Tristan first. And he was saying, no, I won't leave without Andrew. Going down with the ship. I won't leave unless my brother leaves. Wow. I won't leave. And he was telling the guards, I won't leave. Keep me here. I'm not leaving. And then they said, the judge says you have to leave, you have to leave. He goes, then I'll stand outside the gate. I'll sleep outside. I ain't leaving this jail. And our lawyer said, well, we can make an appeal to just release you because there's less media scrutiny around you. And Tristan's like, no, Andrew's in jail, I'm in jail. Refused to leave. He was adamant he had to stay. That's a brother for me. Think about that, bro. That, was that a remote brother or was that an in-person brother? Yeah. Bro, I just visit you. I, I just go, uh, you know, put my hand on the glass. And, and they don't. <laughs> and they, some don't. They just say they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Some people, right, Milton? Some people said, you said on this podcast, some friends are my friends remotely, and some friends come down to Dallas to visit me. One person. I figure out who In my real years. friends are. In two years. Yep. So if I'm a CEO of a company, and I want to see who my ride or dies are, I want to see who I'm going to invest. Emotional capital, financial capital, uh, a career capital, my reputation capital on a person, I want to see who's showing up. So, hey, if you want to work remote, Work remote, knock yourself out. My suggestion for you, move closer to a, a, a company, a, a founder, a CEO, a leader that you can wrap uh, your, your, your entrepreneurial career, your, 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 your future around. If they're going places, you want to connect. It paid off for me. It paid off for me seeing that in PBD, who I consider a once-in-a-generation type of CEO. Uh, I think right now the next CEO like PBD is just being born today. I don't think for the next 30 years there's going to be another CEO like PBD. And so when you find that type of person, when you find that type of company that wants to make an impact, it's just, if it's just about bottom line money, me, myself, and I selfishly, oh, not myself, work remote, but if you want to grow and create opportunities for your children, people you love and care about around you, long term, you might want to be around people. So let, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, and you've been doing this for X amount of time, how do you weave out people that you can and cannot trust around you and your business and your family? Because you know there's certain people who walk into your business, walk into your circle, who become opportunists, yep. who are just with you or around yep. you for the clout, for the attention, for the opportunity of, I wonder if he'll help me. I wonder if he'll lift me up. I wonder if he'll you know, you, give me you, money. You, or you want me to give some secrets. How, okay. do you, you know, <laughs> how, how do you weave those people out of your life? You know, I, I, we got to go through some stress. Right? Look, look what the Tate brothers just went through. I gotta go through some pressure with you. I gotta go, we gotta go through some uncomfortable situations together, and it's gonna cost you money on your own. It's gonna cost you effort on your own. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, listen, as much as people think you know, Matt is uh, PBD's right hand guy, you know, Patrick's never paid our rent. I've never asked Patrick for anything. I never asked him for money. I never asked him to invest in anything. I never asked yeah. him to put, I'll just ask him, hey, PBD, what's the opportunity for us to get closer and align together with you, and how do we get to become the number one? power coupling with inside the company, how we get the most influence to create the decisions of the future PHP agency post-PBD era and, and create this 
entrepreneur country called PHP to 500,000 licensed agents. I've never asked him for money. If anything, he's put a contest together. If you want this, you want this money, come get it. By the way, salute to uh, Rodolfo and Ceci Vargas. They just got a $100,000 bonus. They just had a kid three weeks ago. Yeah. They got a $100,000 bonus. Patrick didn't give it to him. So listen, if you want this, here's their requirements to hit it. Yeah. And they hit it, right? Uh, we're following right behind them, but we don't get the next best prize. The second best prize is 50K. But good job to Rodolfo and Ceci Vargas. And uh, what, what a great birthday, new baby present to Felipe, is. which is 100 grand. Yeah. See, does his, his college is paid for by based on what they did in 2023, right? And so, great, great question, bro. Um, let's, let's move, speaking of entrepreneurial success, uh, according to Richard Branson, you cannot achieve success uh, in your endeavors. Uh, it, it's very difficult to have success in, in what you're doing entrepreneurially. Um, there's, there's things that he's, he's doing. In business. On, a, on a LinkedIn post, he says here are five skills that are most useful for entrepreneurs. Um, let me, let's take a look at this. Uh, 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 let, me, let me get to the, uh, the social media post here real quick. Um, okay, so th- those five things are, let's take a look at this uh, article on Fortune Magazine. It's number one, listen. Number two, take risks and look on the bright side, be, being, uh, being uh, optimistic. Utilize, and utilize your team. We, we're mis- I think we're missing one. Uh, one, listen, take risk, look you at the right side. Be creative. Utilize, oh, utilize your team and be creative. Be creative. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Jordan, so when we're, when we're looking at um, listen, probably one of the hardest things for a lot of entrepreneurs to do uh, is listen. So when you're, when you're thinking about listening, uh, being receptive to others and taking notes constantly um, and being empathetic, probably one of the hardest things for a lot of men to do is be empathetic. Because yeah. why? Because we're kind of like self-focused uh, how have you learned to be empathetic to listening to your clients, listening to your customers? And, it, you know, listen, guys, if you don't know this about Milton, people around the country are throwing him money just for him to consult in their business, in their, in their finances, in their diet. I applaud you for your success, bro. So how are you being empathetic uh, with people? Well, well, first first and foremost for me, man, uh, it's, it's a two-part thing for me. Number one, it goes based off of my values, my principles, and where I stand strong and which is my faith, God. Um, I, I, as corny as it sounds, you know, getting to know the idea of who Jesus is, how Jesus did, you know, and what everything Jesus did in the time that Jesus was on earth and the way he walked with his disciples, I try to run with those values and principles on empathy, on grace, on mercy, on love, and how to give a listening ear to, to people. So that's my main drive, being able to understand people, meet them right where they're at. Because at the end of the day, man, we're not robots. We're not robots. We, we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything in this world. And every single human being in this world does need a little bit of grace and guidance in, in, in every realm that you may be in. But from a business standpoint, uh, something that's going to add value to your business and something that's definitely added value to, to my business, which is that day we went to the Cowboys Fit, Cowboys Fit and, I, and I showed you what you know they, they sent me, how much they sent me just yeah, for an yeah, hour yeah. of time. That's because of these two things that will add value to your business, whether it's product or service-based business, is number one, becoming a problem solver. You know, if there's a problem on a grand scale, figure out on how your product or service or you yourself being the service or the product can solve that greater issue for that person or for the, uh, that demographic that you're trying to aim for. And number two is being able to over-deliver and under-promise. You know, being able to over-deliver on anything that you say you're going to do, being able to keep your word at all costs at all times and being able to execute and show up for people even though a lot of people don't show up, don't show up for them, be that person that shows up for them. 
be that be that person that's going to keep their word at all costs, at all times, even if it means sacrificing a little bit of your time, a little bit of your leisure time or your comfort. When you're able to do that, you're going to gain people's trust. You're going to gain people to be able to say, hey, Milton, this is what's going on. In, in the world that I, that I live in, the, the world that I work in, I'm surrounded by 90% of my, of my clientele are entrepreneurs. Only about 30% of them are PHP people. When, when I first started my business, it was like 90% PHP and only a small percentage that wasn't PHP. Right now where I'm at, only about 30% of my clientele base is PHP. Everyone else, it's outside of PHP. And they're like, what is PHP? Oh, let me show you, <laughs> right? Um, but, and because of that, you know, a lot of these people they have the ideology, and I think you guys have used this, don't be your uplines. Uh, don't be your uplines headache. Be their Tylenol or something, something along those lines. Where you know it's really hard for you to be in business and be able to communicate and be able to talk and be able to find someone to vent to. So here I have you know people who are making millions of dollars a year or people who have high status or people who are big in their industries who are coming to me just for an, an ear, someone that can listen without any form of. Uh, judgment and just someone who doesn't have a biased response, someone who could just listen to them because if they go to a leader, if they go to someone um, within their company, within their business, it's going to be a hassle to be able to open up to because you don't want to yeah. seem as weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah it's it's, uh, it's fine that you mentioned that too. Well, I think one of the biggest things here too in these points is so it's listen, take risks, embrace optimism, utilize your team and be creative. I think the hardest part here was for me to learn was mm -hmm. embracing optimism because I'm, na I'm naturally a skeptical person. I'm a naturally, a, I find myself being a naturally negative person early on in my entrepreneurial career. Why? Because uh, you know, coming out the military, I can only depend on me. If I want it done right, I do it myself. Mm. That, that type of mentality, right? So you like to be in control. I, 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 of course, right. Yeah. And so instead of teaching and coaching other people how to do it, creating standard operating procedures, just like okay, using the military for the military to teach me how to do what I did, I was in creating that for my own business. And then I was, I was talking to one of my guys um, that's running their own office. I said, we're going over the, the basic checklist of running our, 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 our workshops. I said, bro, who does this? Who, who introduces you? Well, I introduce me. Bro, you, can, you, you can't introduce you at your mm -hmm. workshop. You know, you got, you got to have an MC. You got to have, have the host because you can't talk about how great you are. <laughs> it's just, yeah. just the work, that, that dynamic. So how come you haven't given that role to somebody else? Because I just don't trust. Ah. Yeah. Okay, you got to build up that person, which goes into utilizing your team. So your team members... You know, one thing I loved about the Marine Corps, they had, they had something called small, developing small unit leadership, meaning that I can make decisions at a small unit, three-man team, four-man team, eight-man team, even though I don't have the approval of the... So basically, we have rules of engagement. As long as I operate with inside the rules of engagement, boom, I can still make my decision as a leader. I don't have to ask for somebody if I can do something. Levels the hierarchy. Sure, yeah, yeah. right? But I don't have to wait for somebody. If, I, if I'm operating the rules of engagement, I don't need your approval to say I can do this or not. Yeah. I'm still operating under the rules of engagement, right? So managing, back to managing expectations. So through that process, I screwed up. But through those screw-ups, guess what I learned? Through those failures, guess what I learned? The right way to do things. Yeah, yeah. To have the optimal outcome that, uh, that we're looking for. So guys, Richard Branson, if you guys didn't know this, he's the billionaire founder of Virgin. And uh, uh, I mean, did you ever take a Virgin flight? Uh, any of his Virgin Never. airplanes? So it's Alaska Airlines now. Yeah, they sold yeah. it to Alaska Airlines, but yeah. it was the coolest airline to ever fly, man. Really? You go in there, it's like a club. And the lights, purple, pink, blue. They got they got some hype music, blah 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 blah. Right? And the flight says, oh, "Welcome aboard. How you doing?" You know, minus giving you a drink. And then and then you had room. The, the airline had room, but now Alaska Airlines bought them out. But uh, you got to uh, salute to Richard Branson. He's amassed a $5 billion of, uh, fortune. He said during uh, COVID that I almost lost half of it because he launched a, uh, a, a rocket a rocket ship. You know, uh, Elon Musk mm. had it. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos had it. And Sir Richard Branson was launching a Virgin space flight. 
Well, that folded yeah. uh, uh, during COVID. So even through that failure, he sold off all the assets and uh, recouped some of his money. But even through that failure, he says, I have a lot of success. So back to embracing optimism. Um, so we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, millennials are having a tougher time finding a home and investing in real estate. And it may not be to economic conditions. It's baby boomers. They're competing with baby boomers. So uh, let's take a look at this article here. Uh, see, let me, let me, uh, okay, popped it up. You go. So boomers are pushing millennials out of the housing market as if as they hit the road for retirement. So you know, naturally speaking, who has more money, boomers or older older baby boomers in the fifties and sixties, or millennials in their in their late twenties, thirties? The boomers have more money, of course. Yes, and because and because bless you, and because they have more money, they are. Right here. So according to B of A, notice the older generation holds eight times more wealth, as they should, 73 trillion compared to around 9 trillion to the millennial, millennial demographic. Millennials own around 84 cents for every $1 owned by baby boomers at the same age. At the same age. Okay? At the same age. So in the current, uh, in current environment of high home price and interest rates, baby boomers are better equipped financially for home purchasing. Guess who has better credit scores? Baby boomers or millennials? So the, 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 the baby boomers have better credit scores, mm-hmm. right? So why are your friends contributing or out, me, why are your parents' friends are outbidding you for your starter house? Much of the baby boomer generation is already held in housing equity. Mm. So they're doing cash out loans, equity loans to end up buying more, buying more real estate so they can be leveraged for new homes. So you have a home. You got, you got a condo. Um, how, how, is the, uh, how is the housing situation here for you in Dallas? You got property. You know, what, what are you seeing here in, in Dallas in terms of wealth building through, through real estate, home equity? The cost for me uh, in, in, in Illinois, it's cost me around $1,100 a month to be able to, to pay off the, the rent that I have one of my friends living in currently right now. Um, that same amount here in Dallas would give me a nice three, four bedroom home in a decent area, mm-hmm. a decent area, not the best, but a decent area. Mm-hmm. But I was actually looking into um, a, a house here in Frisco. I think I was telling you, uh, lease to own mm-hmm. type, of, type of household. It's my favorite uh, way to go about buying a house. Lease to own. Yeah. Why is that? Because number one, you don't need as hefty as a down payment. Okay. So very, for example, if you're buying a $500,000 house, mm-hmm. uh, you need a 20% down payment. It's a hundred grand. Yeah. But if you give a, uh, if you give a, a, a seller saying, hey, listen, if I, if I give you a, a 10 grand, a 15 grand, mm-hmm. And, and I lease to own this property from you, uh, I would take it as a more serious renter because eventually, in my mind, I'm going to own this. Own and so if you're looking for people that can put down a $100,000 down payment versus people just simply looking to rent, you put yourself right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you, you're an elevated renter, but a almost down payment home buyer. So the owner is going to look at you a little different than somebody just trying to rent the house. They know they're going to take care of the house. Because if you don't, oh, you renege on the contract, guess what they get to keep? Mm-hmm. You're, you're bigger than normal security deposit for the house. Right. So, so if it works out, benefit also for the uh, 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 leaser, the person leasing or renting the home, is that you agree on a price now. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's some predictability and safety for the future seller, for the, the current homeowner, that a year from now or two years from now or three years from now, they're going to buy it at X amount of price. Now, what happens if the property value is worth, worth much more? What's the problem? They lose out on the equity. Who gets the equity? The person that locked in that price when they originally leased the house. But the flip side is true. If they lost equity, who's, who's, who's going to get hurt? 
a person had to look into rent to own. Someone stepping into the idea of even purchasing a home. Because uh, I, I, the first time I went through it, I had no idea what I was doing. I mm-hmm. literally had to hire someone in order to help me through every single step because yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I had the, I had the capital, yep. but here's the money that I have. Do what you want with it. I have no idea which direction I'm headed towards. Yep. Um, and during that time, my credit score wasn't the hottest because I still was going on uh, trying to pay off my student loan debt. I had a car. I have all, all these loans that I was tr- still trying to pay off for school. Um, so for someone who's barely starting off and looking into their first purchase, whether it's a home or a condo or a townhome or a duplex even, someone who's saved up for many years and now they're like, all right, I have enough money for a duplex. What would be maybe like three things that you would say that they need to have in check in order for them to be able to take that step forward to buy their first property? Yeah, first of all, it's credit. Yeah. Because especially with, for example, today at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, the Federal Reserve is going to announce whether or not they're going to raise the interest rates. Yeah. So if they do raise the interest rates today, it'll be the 10th time in 18 months they've raised the interest rates. So the way to mitigate or reduce your interest rate is to have better credit, yeah. right? So you got, you got to have credit. Make sure your, your utilization is, is below 30%, making sure that uh, you're current on all your payments. Uh, so th- those, are, those are some basic things you want to make sure. That's number one. No- number two is that you show rental history to a potential uh, seller mm. because even if they don't want to sell you the option to buy a contract, they say, hey, listen, I've been renting this apartment. I've been renting this condo. I've been selling. So for example, when we came down here to Dallas, I show the commercial real estate uh, agents that we have a 10-year history of renting office space with never being late. Mm. So we have a great history, and we get we got referral letters, et cetera. So therefore, I'm, in the eyes of the rent uh, of the the landlord, we look like a, a better buyer. The third thing is, it's one thing to to get the place, but it's anything to furnish it. So you you want to make it your house, right? You don't yeah. want to go in there, and next thing you know, you still got a bunch of boxes there. Six months from now, you're still you know sleeping on the floor. An air mattress, <laughs> yeah, 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 air mattress. So th- those those would be the three things that uh, that I would say to get yourself ready for 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 buying a home. But by the way, I, I love the best thing about buying a home is that it's yours. Yeah, you don't have to ask anybody for anything. I want to build here. I want to do that. I want to knock down this wall. If I want to paint this wall here, I want to put this painting here. It, it's yours. Now here's the flip side. A couple of days ago, was it? On Sunday, was it nasty hail? Yeah. yeah. Right? These years, I was like, people thought, I thought someone was banging on the windows. Bro, it's freaking hail. But something breaks down, you better have insurance. Uh, you better have the uh, the cash or the- uh, Homeowner's insurance. Or the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or the, the, the deductible. The du- okay. To free, free to pay for it. Yeah. So um, let's move on to this next topic. So how different would your family life look like if you had men going back to church? So according to this article, absent fathers- uh, cause a collapse in marriage. And the major reason is lack of faith, lack of spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's take a look at this article here. I'm not sure if I have it up. Okay, cool. So, um, come on, article. Come on up. There it goes. Absent fathers collapse in marriage. Major reason why Christianity is declining in the United States. Um, a new study on faith and relationships suggests that absent fathers and collapsed marriages might be two of the biggest explanations why Christianity is declining in the United States. You know, this whole month, you know, this, this, uh, the whole month, listen, I, my family, we're part of the LGBT community, right? I got yeah. family members that are part of LGBTQ, um, uh, direct people that we directly love and care about that we share the same DNA, uh, Jordan. We, we, share, we share the same DNA, we share the same family, we share the same Thanksgiving, holidays, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And listen, there is no judgment on who you decide to love and, and who you decide to do because we're not the ultimate judge. You know, God in heaven is the ultimate judge for the faith that we believe in. And it's up to that individual person in our family to get right with the Lord. But it's not for us to make them feel bad along the way. Sure, we'll call them out. Sure, we'll give them our, our opinions when they ask for it. But along the way, guess what we do? We still love on them. Yep. Uh, we still encourage them. We still include them. 
But the biggest problem right now that uh, uh, you know, we'll react to it in, in a later video, but uh, if you watch that video with Andrew Tate, he says this, it's amazing how a country that was built on God, on Christian, Judeo, Christian values, has this country more empathetic to Muslims, but they radicalize Christians. So we'll embrace you because you're Muslim, but if you're a Christian, y'all, bro, you're you're like you're out there. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because it's so weird how in the United States, if you say something that to stand by your Christian faith and values, you're called out as an extremist. But if you love Muslim, you're okay, you're you're, you're part of the cool crowd. Yeah. But yet, this is a Christian nation built on godly values and principles, a Judeo-Christian values, and even Christians itself in our own country are being held this way. And a large part of this is due to Absent fathers standing up for righteousness, standing up for the values and principles of which this country was created. Yeah. And because there's less, think about this real quick. Why do you think there's such an attack on our kids? Because the LGBT community cannot do what? They cannot create their own children. So if they can't create their own children, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come after our children. Mm. So in other words, let's, let's, let's do the flip side. Okay, let's do the flip side. What happens if... They, if they can take out the children and the fathers from going to church, eventually what? They're going to flip to they're going to flip to another way. It's all this whole uh, uh, seesawing of power and control and taking away. And listen, in the darkest days, we will be persecuted. In the worst times, Christianity, we will be called out. In the worst times, those that believe in God, that believe in Jesus, will be the most hated in the worst times. Well, guess what? Those are right now. And so it's, it's uh, this study drew data from the nationwide study of 19,000 Sunday church attendees from 112, uh, let's take a look at this one more time, Jordan, this fact, uh, from 112 evangelical Protestant and Catholic uh, organiza- uh, congregation in 13 states. The research comes as marriage rates have dropped 31% since 2000, 61% since 1970, while less than half of all those under 30 today grew up in a home with married parents. That's a shock. Stat. Approximately 80% of Sunday churchgoers are raised in homes where their biological parents uh, uh, were married to each other throughout their upbringing. Today, not so much. So this is, this is what, what's, what's creating here is the next generation of believers, the next generation of Christians, guess what? They're not there. Yeah. And that's why there's a decline. So people often say, well, well I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in well, Listen, here, here's my thought. I'm a, I'm a guy of probability. There might be a chance there might be God, right? So guess how I'm going to live my life? Oh, there's a God. That way. Yep. So the reason for the decline in faith is unpacked in a study that the absence of a married home where a dad is warmly engaged in the life of his child is a cause of the fire that is a source of the reason less and less people believe. So my message to men, if you're, if you're watching this, if you want to have a, a family, if you want to have children that, that honor you and respect you, they got to be raised around the right values and principles of in my opinion, of the set of values and principles and methodologies and, 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 and virtues that have stood the test of human history. In my opinion, it's right here. Jordan asked, hey, Matt, you want your Bible? Yeah, of course. This is the Bible. 6,000 years of human history of the nastiest things that happen between human beings, and this, to me, has become an instruction manual. And believe it or not, right in the middle of it is Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. If you want to read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, who was written by King Solomon, who's the wisest and richest king who ever lived, talks to you about money, about wealth, of possessions, of entrepreneurship, of prosperity. Yes, it's all in the Bible. So if you want to live a happier life, you want less stress in life, 
One thing I told myself at 30 years old, I said, God, I tried it my way for 20 plus years and I screwed it up. Bankrupt, divorced, family court, you name it. Let me try it your way. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm going to completely 100% dive into it, but listen, what I'm doing right now is not working. Let me try it your way. 19 years later, I can't tell you how much my life has radically changed for the better because I decided to follow values, principles, and virtues that is to the test of human history. Uh, before we move to the next topic, bro, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? So this movement that's been going on. Lack man, of fathers that, yeah. standing up and going to church and taking their families to church, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that movement started happening very heavily uh, during the time that I actually gave my life to Christ in 2011. Um, I was actually attending a church during that time that were very, uh, we, were, we were very, very heavy on uh, the progressive movement and mm -hmm. the woke culture was starting to seek, in, uh, sleep, uh, seek into that church. And, yeah. you know, if you weren't with them, then you were against them 100%. And I think that really rubbed, uh, rubbed off in, the, in a very negative way when it came down to people actually staying within the church walls and pushed a lot of the men who yeah. had their values and traditions aligned to what the Word of God spoke on. So that started pushing a lot of people out and you know a lot of people who didn't want to be judged, didn't feel you know the need to follow certain 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 beliefs uh, aligned to what the Word of God says. A lot of those, start, a lot of those people started coming in. The point I'm trying to make here, because I, I, know, I know we're short on time, is this movement's been going on for, for, for quite some time now. It, just, it didn't just start three, two, three years ago where it started uh, booming on Instagram to TikTok and, uh, and on YouTube. It started happening about 15, 20 years ago, and it's been, it's been growing and growing and growing and growing. And again, like Matt says, uh, the LGBT community exists in, in both of our families. And if, if yep. you want to be able to lead a family with good, directions, good direction, righteousness, and godliness, first, you as a man need to be able to step foot into the, into the roots of what the Word of God says and set your ground very, very strong. And here's the thing. I'm not, personally, I'm not a fan of religion, personally. I'm not a fan of religion. Um, I'm not a fan of what religion has done to people. Um, because there's a lot of corruption in the in the church. But well, religion is a great way to control people. 100%. I, I've seen people, uh, I can only do things if my passion tells me to do it. I can only yes. do things if my prophet tells me to do it. Bro, it's between you and God, man. Yes. So with, with, that, with, that, with that mindset is being able to get closer to God, praying to God. You have direct connection. You have, you have a, that direct uh, correlation with God. If, you, you know, if you're connected, you are able to get the answer that you need prayer, fasting, and connecting to the Word of God. Find yourself a community church that there's a lot of men in there who have similar principles aligned to what you want and what direction you're trying to head to with your family. You can't do this by yourself. We need an army in order to be able to rise up against certain movements and certain uh, belief systems that are actually causing riots right now in, in our households, in our, in, in our, mind, in our head spaces, and in our livelihoods. So definitely plug in somewhere that you can definitely find uh, solutions for your problems. Well, guys, as uh, we, we wrap stuff up, uh, we're very interesting times yeah. where uh, oftentimes people think that you know, it's all despair, uh, no hope, but that's where you tap into your faith. Because two things you can feed. You can either feed into despair and fears, or you can tap into your faith and optimism. And that's the energy we choose. You know, last night we had a, we had a workshop at our office, man, and, and uh, half the workshop there was very negative what's going on in America today. Very negative about America, we deserve this and we're entitled to this, blah, 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 blah. And the weird part is, half of the people that were at our workshop said the opposite. They said, bro, we don't, we're not owed anything, but we have the opportunity to control our, our destiny by taking advantage of the best tenets of, of capitalism, the, the, the best practices of what works. So, in other words, half the audience I was with last night was skeptical and, and, and nasty and negative. And it strengthened and emboldened the other half of the audience, which was optimistic and encouraging and, and, and wanting to do better for their families. Mm. So those are your two choices. You can be negative or you can be positive. You can choose your, your fear or your faith. Whatever you choose, whatever you decide to feed, 
will win. So uh, tomorrow I have got an interview here with a guy that went to prison. Uh, and anytime the and today he's turned his life around. Uh, obviously, he's following Christ, and uh, he's leading his family. And uh, anytime any type of political movement is happening here in Texas, he's the first phone call for many of these politicians to get things done. His name is Keenan Williams. He'll be my guest tomorrow here at 12.30 to 1.30 Central Standard Time, so make sure you peep that tomorrow afternoon. But uh, with that being said, appreciate you guys for tuning into this Go- uh, Millionaire Goals podcast, episode 2.5. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, drop your comments, your thoughts below. Let us know you agree with us, you don't agree with us, we're full of it, or I'm encouraged by it. Please let us know in the comment section below. And make sure you smash that like button. On behalf of Milton Alvarez, oh, I'm your mighty smart guy from Dallas, Texas, and until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. today. See you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.